0: Good evening. My name is Yolanda and I am definitely an alcoholic. Uh, I am super excited to be here. Um, I am not nervous in the least bit. I have not been stressing out about this at all, especially when I got um, notified to join a Facebook page. I was like, oh my God, they have a Facebook page. This is legit. Like this is, I even put on a dress for you guys. So, um, Anyway, so I have to just start off by saying that it is only by the grace of God um, and this program and the fellowship that I am sober today. Um, I got sober in December of 2014, which technically makes me four years, eight months and 29 days sober. Uh, I have an app that tells me those things. Um, so just to give you a little history about me, um, born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, go Vikings. If you don't (laughs) like them, we can discuss that later. Um, but I was born to, um, a family that was pretty dysfunctional. So probably a lot of things that I'm going to say you can relate to in some form or fashion. Um, but I'm the youngest of four. My oldest brother is 20 years older than I am. My sister is 10 years older than my other brother is five years older than me. Um, my father was definitely an alcoholic. He's an army vet. Uh, when he would get drunk, he would start speaking German. Not sure anything that he was saying. There was a lot of saluting that came along with that. So that was weird, but we just went along with it because when he was drinking, there was also candy to be like distributed around the house. So that was fine. Um, so When I was growing up, when I was little, my older brother used to bully me because that's what older brothers do. And he would tell me things like, they didn't really want you when you were born. We actually found you in the alley in the trash can. And so like any little sister would do, I would go and tell my mom. He would get in trouble. I would be satisfied, but it planted seeds in me of like doubt, right? Of like, Well, maybe I'm not really supposed to be here. Maybe I was an accident. So that was something that I carried for a little while Uh, that may have shown up on my fourth step. Um, So growing up, um, my parents lived, you know, we were middle class. Um, my mom was a nurse. My dad worked in manufacturing. Um, my dad worked third shift. My mother worked swing shift. So sometimes it was first shift. Sometimes it was second shift. I grew up with a home cooked meal every day. Um, my dad was the type of person that like, he would get off work at seven o'clock in the morning and he would go grocery shopping and I would come home and it'd be like Christmas or I'd get up out of bed and it'd be like Christmas in the mornings. Like that was, one of the greatest memories I have and like fruit roll-ups when those first came out and I'd open the drawer and there'd be a whole like drawer of fruit roll-ups, little things like that. Um, but our, our house was like what we call the Granberry hotel. That's my maiden name. Anytime someone came to visit or if they moved from out of town, they always ended up at our house. Um, and so growing up, you know, being the youngest, I was very spoiled very high maintenance. Uh, But then people started moving in. Um, My dad was one of eight children. And so I had a lot of aunts and uncles, lots and lots of cousins. And so people started relocating from like Detroit. Now I'm growing up in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was very proper when I was growing up. I was academically gifted. And so these people started moving in from the inner city of Detroit. And they didn't talk like I did. They didn't speak like I did. They were very different than I was. And so it started off really early that they started making fun of me. So I went from being like Queen Bee in my house to all of a sudden being reduced to just this other person who was invisible um, because there were just so many people there. Um, And that's when I started feeling alone and started feeling like I just don't belong because in my house, I really didn't feel like I did. Um, there was lots of drinking in my house my father was an alcoholic as I said Lots of my aunts and uncles are alcoholic. I have one uncle that we used to call uncle drunk. Um, and I have an aunt that she used to drink and, you know, driving was just, drinking and driving was just a regular thing. Um, and she would drive her big black car. We called it the Batmobile and she would just pull up and like park sideways, you know, and we would just be like, Oh, auntie, she's been drinking again. Uh, and it was just a part of life. Like no one thought anything of it. No one thought that they actually had a problem. Um, so. Whenever the family would come in town, like the night before everyone was to leave, all of the adults would be downstairs in the living room and they would be playing like old blues music and everyone would be drinking. Two hours in, everyone's crying and they're talking about all this stuff from their past and all this drama that we weren't supposed to be listening to, but we'd be like on the stairs kind of peeking in. But while they were drinking... We were drinking, too, but it was like the virgin margaritas and stuff like that. So from kind of a young age, I at least had a taste for the mixers, and I liked them a lot. Um, So I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, so that also showed up on my fourth step because there were some resentments there. Um, But it was a very strict upbringing in a lot of ways, Um, and... Went through some things with that religion and with my parents, and um, it just kind of got to a point where when I was able to make a decision for myself on if I wanted to follow this, I chose not to. I chose to go a different way. Um, So my first drink, um, I was in junior high, and it was Old English 800 was that malt liquor. Um, my brother had cans of it um, in the bottom of the refrigerator. Both my brothers drank. My sister did not get the drinking gene. Um, it skipped her and it went straight to me. Um, but I remember getting it and I was the only one home. And it was in the bottom of the drawer and I felt like it had been calling me. And so I went and I got it and I kind of looked at it, you know, didn't pick it up, but I stared at it for a little while finally I picked it up and I was like, screw it. I'm giving you guys a clean version because I normally would have said a different word at that point. But, um, so I took it and I sat down on the couch and I just down that thing. And I remember thinking, My God, does this taste terrible, but I feel kind of good. So I'm just going to keep guzzling this thing. So I drank it down and, um, I went and walked to my cousin's house now, way back in the day, you could walk all over town and nothing would happen to you. Um, and I remember walking to her house and walking down the street and like kind of swaying and being like, man, this feels great. Like I have arrived. Where has this been all my life? I probably should have known then that that was a problem, but I just thought it was great. Um, so that was my first experience with real alcohol. um, later on in my, in my junior years, um, which junior high school was terrible for me. I hated every minute of it. Um, but I started being a victim of sexual abuse at the hands of my father. And so that was enough to just like make me crazy, um, because it wasn't something that no anyone was supposed to know. Um, and so, Still trying to go to school, still trying to put this face on, and I remember telling myself, "If I don't smile, I'm going to cry, and I'm never going to stop." A um, couple of times that I contemplated, "Is life really worth living if this is what I have to endure?" Um, so this went on for maybe a year or two. Um, it's kind of foggy because one of my way of cope one of my ways of coping was just to block it out. Um, but once I got into high school, I actually started going to Al-Anon because my dad was an alcoholic. Um, I did start drinking more by then. So I probably should have been in it for myself, but it was easier to say that I was the victim and I was going because of my dad. Um, so I remember being in one of the, um, one of one of the meetings. And at the end, you know, the guy says, well, does anyone have anything that they want to share? And I raised my hand and I said, hi, um, my dad is touching me. And the room just went silent. And the guy just looked at me. And then after that, it was just this whirlwind of activity. Um, I got escorted. You know, I had to leave my house and get escorted out of the house. I was asked to leave my house. Um, My dad was arrested. Um, I had to go and live with other people because my dad wasn't able to come within so many feet of me. So not only do I have this issue of dealing with what has happened, but now I've been kicked out of my own house. Now I'm being treated like I'm the person that did something wrong. And that just didn't sit well with me. Um, I became extremely angry. I acted out a lot. Um, and I became extremely promiscuous. That went down that, fa- that hill really fast. Um, did a little therapy but I was so angry that it really didn't do much for me. I just kind of would go and just sit and look at her and she would look at me and then my mom would pay and I would leave. Um, so I didn't get a whole lot of it out of it. Um, but in high school, that's when I really started partying. Um, and I would go to parties and I'd see my older brother there and my older brother would say things like, know your limit. Like we'd be walking in and he'd be like, know your limit. And, um, there was a party down the street from my house and, I was one of those girls that's like, I'm really goal driven. And so if you tell me I'm not going to do something, I'm for sure going to do it. And so of course we're all around the keg and the guys are like, I'll bet you can't drink that. And I was like, I bet you I can, right? Like whatever. And I did. And I drank a lot and hadn't eaten anything thrown up all over everywhere. Uh, my brother picks me up, throws me over his shoulder, cause we're like four houses from my house. Um, Carries me home, and he's ticked off at me. He's like, I told you to know your lemon. What are you thinking? Ra 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 ra!" Throws me on the couch. I pass out. Um, the next day, I wake up, and I am feeling like crap. And my brother had asked me, well, why are you doing this? First thing that came to mind, because... I have some, also some, probably some narcissistic um, personality traits um, and I can be quite manipulative. The first thing I said was, because it hurts so bad and I'm so angry at everything that has happened to me because I didn't want to be in trouble for getting drunk. is really why I said that. Um, so, I was never able to know my limit. I never had an off switch. I didn't realize until I came into alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous that it's because I have a disease. Um, as I said, I Started dating in high school, very, very promiscuous, made some really, really poor choices. Um, My senior year of high school, I met this guy. And you know how you have that instinct that says you probably shouldn't go down that path? I never listened to it. So when the instinct was telling me don't go down that path, I was like, I am going to go down this path and I'm going to set this thing on fire. And so I did. And so I gave this guy my phone number. He was seven years older than me. I was 18 years old Um, we started dating and I lived in very proper St. Paul this guy was from across the river in Minneapolis and not just like Minneapolis he was in like the bad part of Minneapolis where like things happen Um, and so I started dating him and started living this other lifestyle Um, Drinking a lot, you know, Um, I had gotten pregnant by him and had a miscarriage and was carted off in an ambulance. Never told my parents about it. Like, just, I I don't even know how I got away with some of the stuff that I got away with. Um, I would lie to my parents all the time. Like, it'd be one o'clock in the morning. I was supposed to be home and I'd be like, oh, I got a flat tire. I'll be home at like three. And I think my mother, um, who felt guilty because of what happened, just kind of, gave me carte blanche to just live my life. Um, I think there there was a lot of guilt and remorse that came from that, um, that she had to deal with. Uh, but later I found some letters um, that she had wrote and I realized how hard it was for her and the situation that she was in um, being my mother and being married to this person, this predator. Um, so I am dating this guy. I'm trying to get pregnant. I am just making wonderful decisions with my life. Um, my family hated him of course, because he's so much older than me and I do get pregnant, <laughs> go figure. Um, so I, I got pregnant. I had my daughter and, uh, decided to go ahead and get married to this guy. So at 19, I, am, I have had a baby and I am married. He shows up 45 minutes late to our wedding. My dad wanted to kill him. My dad was like pacing back and forth and looking at me and like grumbling under his breath and I couldn't even make eye contact with him. In all of my wedding pictures, my sister is standing in them like this. (laughs) Pissed. Um, So we, um, well, I moved out of my parents' house, you know, anyways, cause I, I had this baby and we were living with his mother because that's where he was living. When I met him, I'm talking great, a guy. Uh, so we were living with his mother for a while, moved into a place of our own, um, a lot of drinking, some other drugs that are mixed in there. Um, I've kind of realized that this guy was not my future, um, He's probably not the best for me. Um, I have goals. I didn't see that he had goals. It was like I said I do and he said I don't to having a job. And so I was like, I can't do this. Um, so at one point, um, I had told my dad, hey, I am probably going to be leaving this guy um, just so you know, so you can be prepared for when I come home. And so I went home and I tried to do the right thing and tell him, Hey, I really don't think this is working out. So I probably won't be here by the end of the year. And he didn't really like that. And so he was like, well, if you're not going to be here, I'll find somebody else who will. And I was like, Oh really? Well, that's fine. And so then I picked up my stuff. I went to my dad's house and I said, I'm moving in. And he just started making a space and he just cleared off space. And, and me and my daughter moved in and, um, My husband then tried to be a better person, and so I went back for a little while. Um, He didn't change. Um, I made some mistakes in that relationship that I uh, did some things I shouldn't have um, because I was just over it. I was just done. Um, Not an excuse, but it's where I was at at, you know, 20 years old. And so I decided to go ahead and divorce him. Um, once I divorced him, it was like full speed ahead. All of the partying that I didn't do when I graduated from high school and not going to college, I totally made up for, I mean, I was partying like Thursday through Sunday. Um, I would like go and drop my daughter off at my cousin's house. And I pick her up at like four in the morning, take her home. She'd sleep for a couple of hours and we'd get up and she'd go to school and I'd go to work. And, um, it was just, I was constantly on the go constantly. And, I had men in my life, you know, because that's what was filling me at the time, men and alcohol. They just went together hand in hand. Um, (sighs) so there's this one time that, um, I had gotten really, really drunk with this guy that I met at a bar, go figure. And we were leaving one bar and we were going to go, we were going to change and we were going to go to another bar. And it, in the In Minnesota in the wintertime, like when it's blizzarding, things don't stop. So it was like blizzarding outside and we're still going to go and hang out. Well, we're driving down the street and this guy makes a U-turn in the middle of the street. I wasn't driving. The guy I was with was driving, but he hit the bumper of the guy when he made this illegal U-turn. But instead of stopping and having a conversation because we were both way too drunk, he kept going. So we pull up at my house. We go in, we change, we're coming out, and a police car goes by, and they stop, and they back up, and they pull into my driveway because in Minnesota, your license plate is on your front and your back, Um, and they had saw the front of my car. So they pull into the driveway, and they're questioning us, and I get put in a police car. Now, I have made some bad choices but I have never been in trouble. I was the girl that, like, if I got sent to the principal office, that they usually liked me and I would just have to send the cheers out. Like, they wouldn't call my parents. I didn't get detention. And so I was in the back of a police car. I'm clutching my pearls. I was in a police car in handcuffs excuse me, <laughs> I am not this way. I'm sorry. I don't even understand what's going on um, there. There's chatter on the radio and they're calling out all of these like codes and stuff, 35, 57, 28, 39. And I'm like, excuse me, what's that mean? Can you explain all of this to me? Because of course I have to have my demure girl act on. Anyways, unfortunately for him, he had a warrant for his arrest. So he was arrested and um, was upset with me. Never heard from that guy again. My car got impounded. Um And so, That night, my cousin came and picked me up and I still went drinking and I, I just laid into it. I was sitting at a table and I had drank so much that I was actually spitting up in a cup on the table. I blacked out. I got home. I don't know how I got home till a day or so later. um, My cousin that I lived with at the time had was there and, and he put me in the car and he was like, I don't know what's going on with you. But I could have been anyone, and you just got in the car with me. Um, But that wasn't enough to wake me up. I was just like, but it was you, so I'm good. Like, you know, everything is fine. But I partied a lot. Um, And so I made a decision that if I am going to be a better person, that I have to change, right? We have to change our geographic location. Like, that's going to make anything better. So I moved here to Atlanta, um, so I am going to tell you guys that living in Minnesota is very different than being in Atlanta. There are a lot of like obvious reasons, but one of the biggest things was I came down here and I was like, oh, my God, there's so many black people here. Oh, it's so many black people. I just hadn't seen that because at home, you know, when you do well, you move to the suburbs. It's just, you know, or we're all in the inner city, but it's all people that I know. And I came down here and we're everywhere and and just it was, it was complete culture shock. And then there were all these clubs, right? And all of the clubs sold alcohol. And I was like, oh, my God, I am in heaven. So even though I changed locations, I still drank a lot and I partied all the time. And I was living with my sister and we had some girlfriends that um, stayed there. And we were all like the party bunch, you know? I mean, it was every weekend we were going out and having a good time. Um so, but then I decided I have to grow up a little bit, um, made some really poor choices again, even living here. Cause that seemed to follow me. Um, so I decided I'm going to slow down and I'm going to cut out drinking and I'm going to focus on myself because most of the men I had been meeting were just crap um, and they weren't very bright. And so I decided I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to nurture my garden. I'm going to take care of myself. And then I went to Walmart And I met this guy in the Walmart and he was cute. He was tall. He had big feet. I was like, yes, winning, winning, winning in so many areas. Um, We started dating and um, it was awesome. He was great. i would never met anyone like him before. And I felt like this was it for me. I had arrived, right? You know, I've got this great guy. Um, he had a son. I have a daughter. They're close in age. I was like, this is perfect. Um, we dated for about four years. Um, the first time we went on a date, um, <laughs> I was like, Are you gonna have something to drink? And he was like, No, I'm driving. And I was like, What? <laughs> I was like, That's lame. <laughs> I was like, What do you mean you can't have a drink and you're like are you serious? We actually almost stopped seeing him because of that, um, because I was disgusted. Um, so he had a drink. He had one. I had a few. Um, but he wasn't really a drinker. And and this is how I know he wasn't a drinker. Because when I asked him, what do you drink? He was like, oh, um, I have a gin and juice. I was like what again I'm like what is this 1995 Snoop Dogg like what are you okay that's fine well I'll have a gin and juice too um and so we we dated and and I remember when we had moved in together that one there was this one night and I was like oh I just want to go to the bar and he was like well why would you want to do that I was like I want to go and talk to people and he was like well why why would you need to talk to people why can't you just talk to me I was like, okay, you don't, know, you know, you don't know, get this. Cause he never had hung out at the bar before. So he didn't know what he was missing. Um, so we got through that. Um, I enrolled in school. Um, as I said, I didn't go right out of high school because I was too busy being married and having kids. Um, uh, but I went to school, got my undergrad degree. And right after I graduated, um, I got a promotion at my job. So I moved into management. I'm making like good money. Um, And I found out that my husband was cheating on me. He had been cheating on me for about a year with this chick at his job who was not nearly as attractive, who was not making as much money as I was. So I was really pissed. Um, I was devastated. I was devastated. Um, I remember laying on the floor of my bathroom in the fetal position and sobbing. I was broken. This was someone that I thought would never hurt me. And I had always, I told him from the beginning, I don't share. Like that was one of those things that's like hard fast. Like I do not share. And he broke that. And it just, it, it just devastated me. And that's when my drinking really just, it just took off. Um, I went from just having a casual couple of drinks, you know, a week to now I'm drinking a handle of Bacardi a week. Um, and you know, if I was having a glass of wine because I'm out, I was out of Bacardi because I wanted to try something else to slow it down, you know, because obviously I'm drinking too much by going through all that Bacardi. So let me get a bottle of wine. Well, I drink two glasses and be like, Oh, there's not that much left. I can't leave that. So I might as well finish the bottle off. Right. Um, and it just, it was a really, really rough time. Um, so we get through that. Actually, um, the weekend that I found out that he was cheating was the weekend that the world was supposed to end. It was like in may, I don't know, in like 2011 or something like that. Um, and I remember sitting at Atlantic station with my girlfriend and my sister and looking around, telling people, you think your world is ending. My world just ended, (laughs) you know, um, and being super dramatic. Um, things were really hard. Um, I took that weekend and drank the whole weekend of course he was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I, I promise, you know, we'll go to therapy. I'll go to church, like whatever you need. I'm sorry. You know, he even pulled out the God told me everything would be okay story. So I said, okay, I, that Sunday I went home and I was really, really angry and I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, and drinking was the only way that I knew how to cope. Um, we went to marriage counseling and I would drink before we went. I would drink after, um, and then I met a guy. And so then I cheated because, well, because I don't even have an answer for a reason as to why I did it. I just, I was pissed. Um, and when he found out about it, he treated me like crap. And I thought, surely you can't treat me this way because you started it. How can you treat me like this? Um, and so we had a really, really rough few years. Um, my affair went from being physical to being emotional and I emotionally cheated with this guy for about three years. Um, he was like my best friend. Um, and he comforted me when my husband was treating me like crap. So it just made me turn to this guy even more. Um, so I finally ended that. Um, I had gotten another, another, another degree. I got my master's degree. So I'm feeling really smart, but I'm still drinking all the time. Um, I would go into my neighborhood bar and they would just sit my drink on the counter, right on the, on the, on the bar because they knew me, they knew what I was drinking. Um, my last drunk, um, was at that bar and I had my daughter with, oh, I had another kid. Did I say that? I didn't mention that. So I had graduated, had a kid, got a promotion. And that's when I found out that he was cheating on me. Okay. Like I am super woman, right? And he cheated on me. Okay. I, I can't believe I forgot that part because that precious baby girl. Um, So I, my life's drunk. That's where I was at. So I was at the bar and um, I had told my husband, I'm just going to have a couple drinks. That's it. And he was like, you sure? Just a couple? Absolutely. Just a couple. So I went there to watch my Vikings play because, woohoo, Skull Vikings. And um, at 6 o'clock he calls me and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm still up here. And I'm slurring. I know I'm slurring. And he's like, you said you'd only have a couple. And I was like, yeah, bud. They were doing shots and, and everybody and buying. And, and he's like, well, I'm on my way up there. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. I was going to get in my car and drive home with my kid. He pulls up and he's like, we're going to go grocery shopping. I am like, what fresh hell is this? (laughs) Are you serious? Okay. We're going to go grocery shopping. We're in the grocery store. We're in Kroger and I am dying in Kroger. We get outside and I am like early in the parking lot and I'm cussing him out because now it's his fault that I'm throwing up in the parking lot. We get home. And I go to bed with the spins. I hated the spins. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I said, I can't do this anymore. This is it. I was going to drive my baby girl home. Countless times that I had driven myself. I never thought about the number of people that I could have killed on my way home. But that night, knowing that I could have taken my baby girl's life, it just hit me. So I got up. And that next morning I went to work like I always did. Cause I never missed work. Um, I get a call on my way to work and it's my husband and he's like, so if you don't do something about this, we're leaving. Like we, we're not going to live like this anymore. And I was like, so it's funny you say that because I was just thinking to myself that I needed to make a change. So we're on the same page. Right. Um, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm serious. If you don't do something about this, we're not going to be a family. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Um, I should tell you that during my drinking, I had gone to see a therapist and I'm sitting there talking to my therapist and drinking comes up and a therapist starts telling me that I should really only have three to four drinks a week. And I was like, a week? So I get into an argument with my therapist about how much I should drink. Cause I'm like, man, I can put three to four drinks back on right after I get home from work. So we probably need to, so I was trying to negotiate with my therapist, how much I could actually drink. And I didn't go back and see him. <laughs> um, so what I did that day was um, I went online and I started looking for places that would help me control my drinking. And I remember calling him up going, you will not believe I found this site on the internet that would help me control my drinking. And he was like, nah, BS, that's not going to do it. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just keep looking then. And that's when I came across AA. I said, all right, give this a try. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I seen it in movies and, you know, jokes made about it, but I didn't know anything about it. I thought that I would get in there and you people would teach me how to drink like a lady. Not so much. Um, I went to my first meeting in Alpharetta and I walked in and I remember being scared to death and I sat down on the couch and it was a very small meeting. There may have been seven, eight people there. And at this meeting, when a newcomer comes in, no matter what the topic is, they scrap it. They turn it into a newcomer meeting, a first step meeting. And I remember that sitting there and listening to these people and going, I did that. I did that. Ooh, I hate to admit I did that too, but I felt at home. I felt like, like this is my tribe. This is what I've been missing. Um, and I remember bawling, just sobbing. Um, probably from the minute that we said the serenity prayer all the way through the meeting. As I look back on my childhood, there are things that kind of just, Showed me that my dad actually was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I should tell you that my relationship with my father um, changed dramatically. I lost my mom in 2002. My mom passed away and came to me in a dream and told me that I needed to forgive my dad. That's heavy. Um, But my dad and I had started rebuilding. And my dad was an amazing man. My dad got sober. um, And he was sober for over 20 years before he passed away in 2013. Um, but my mom used to cross stitch and we had the serenity prayer cross stitched and hung on the wall. It wasn't until I got sober that I was like, Oh my God, cause my mom used to go to Al-Anon. So like, Oh, it all makes sense. And then some of the things that my dad would say to me, I'd be in a meeting or I'd read it in the big book and I'd be like, oh my God, that's where he got that from. I thought he was a brilliant man and he stole it from the AA book. (laughs) Um, but I went to that meeting and I left there feeling like my world was not ending. There was hope. And they told me, you know, all the suggestions, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, all of that. I'm kind of hard headed. I don't know if you've gathered that from my, um, story. Um, I did not get a sponsor right away. I did not do 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, I caught as many meetings as I could with my schedule and my family, um, but I didn't drink. I I basically white knuckled it for the first 30 days. On the 30th day, I went into a meeting and I sat down and in the meditation part, I just said, God, please help me. I need a sponsor. And I walked out of there with a sponsor, a sweet lady. Her name is Kitty fabulous lady Um, and she was great. She helped me get through the first parts of my steps. Our our schedules didn't mesh up really well. um, So I needed to find someone else. So I got a sponsor um, at my home group that I was going to, and, and she helped me to be able to get through the rest of them. Steps one through three were easy for me. I was like, I am definitely a drunk. I know that I cannot do this by myself. I need some help. Somebody Lord Jesus Take the wheel is where I was at. So that part was easy. Going through the meetings and hearing about this fourth step, though, I was terrified. I was like, when do we get to that? And I think, to be honest, that's why I stalled so much with my first sponsor, because I didn't want to go through it. I remember thinking all the time, what if I don't like myself? What if I don't like the person that I see on paper? What if I don't like the person... That is going to be sober. I don't even know who she is. Everything that I did was associated with drinking. I was happy. I was mad. I was glad. Whatever it was, was all related to alcohol. And who am I now that I don't have this in my life? And I was terrified. Um, so I got through my fourth step with my, um, my new sponsor. I went to her house and there was a lot of crying, a lot of crying, a lot of snotting, a lot of tissues, several hours. Um, but i felt like a weight was lifted off of me so i went home and i took the i took my sheet that i had did it on and i was standing outside and i burned it and as i was standing there on this very calm beautiful day this wind blows out of nowhere i get chills just thinking about it wind blows out of nowhere and blows the ashes away i was like okay god i see you but the paper doesn't burn all the way. I pick up the paper and I open it up and the middle of it is burned in the shape of a lotus flower. And I was like, wow, like something so beautiful that grows out of mud. I was like, God, is that you? <laughs> Cause this could be a symbol for where I feel like my life is. It has been cruddy and muddy and just yuck. For so many years, but now I've got this opportunity to grow and just be a completely different person. And so that was life changing for me. Um, So I get through my steps six and seven. Um, God spoke to me in the shower. Weird. Don't do a visual. Um, But I was in the shower and that's the time that I would do my quiet time, my praying to God. And it sounds weird, but I always knew that God was with me when I felt the cool air come into the shower. Right. And so I'm standing there and I'm praying to God for him to please take my character defects away. And I kid you not the way that I am talking right now, I heard him say, you are forgiven. And I just burst into tears and I yelled at my husband, you will not believe what just happened to me. You will not believe this. And he was like, Oh, that's great. Okay. I'm just going to go to work right now. He didn't understand the significance of that moment. Um, my amends, they were all pretty easy. Like my family was just happy um that I was sober. And so all of those were pretty easy. Um, the hardest one was with my husband. Um, and that took a long time. I made amends to him for a really long time because he has a really great memory. And so he'd be like, Well, you know, there was this one time that you said and I was like, I said that, Ooh, that's ugly. And he's like, yeah, you did. And I'm sorry. I, I made a lot of apologies to him. Um, but I got through it. Um, and I'm freer because of it. Um, uh, my oldest daughter who was with me through a lot grew up with me. I owed her a lot of amends. Um, and God bless her. She is not an alcoholic. I'm grateful for that. Um, so Coming along to where I am right now. Um, I have had a few sponsors in my life Um, I am blessed to have a sponsor that I have right now. Um, I am Over the moon about it Just the guidance that I get um on a regular basis is invaluable to me um, so When I first got sober, I really couldn't get through the big book. It just It wasn't clicking to me. Uh, So I listened to the Charlie and Joe big book study. And boy, did they break it down so much simpler. I was like, yeah, I can digest this. This is good. I can drink my coffee on the way to work. And like, yes, I get it. Um, And one of the things that they say is you have your spiritual experience is when other people see a change in you. And that's what I wanted. I wanted people to see me differently. Not that I was a bad person, I just made really piss poor decisions. And so I wanted to be the person who didn't have to apologize for my actions. And being in this program and learning how to live sober, because my first two years was just how to be sober. After that, it was how do I live sober, right? How do I navigate life really and actually enjoy my life, right? The joyous, happy, happy and free part of it. Um, and so I just, I lost my train of thought because I was getting emotional. So I need to pull myself together. Anyways, um, it says in the big book that we are launched into the fourth dimension. And I feel like that's where I am right now. Like every day is not a walk in the park. There are some days, especially when I'm in traffic or there are just some days that I just really need to pray. Um, and I just need to say, bless their heart. Right. Um, but it's, it's. I'm in a much better place now today and I am so, so very grateful for this program. Um, you know, in the big book, it says that we were replaced and I wrote it down and now it's not on my notes, but I have it in the beginning of my book. Um, right here. Hold on. Let me tell you, because I love this. In return for the bottle and a hangover, we have been given the keys to the kingdom and I feel like I have, you know, um, Like I said, life isn't easy every single day, but I get to live my life. I get to be a basketball mom that goes out there and cheers and is a ridiculous cheerleader for her kid. Um, Like the the mom with the fat head, you know, on a stick, like pumping it up and down, like yelling onto the court, that type of thing. Um, I get to be there for my adult daughter when she's going through life's ups and downs and, and trying to figure out how to navigate that. I get to be a wife today. Um, and I don't take that for granted. I don't take for granted everything that we have been through because I've learned so much from it. I've learned how to be a good wife and how not to be a good wife. A lot of lessons in that. Um, I got baptized, um, in 2016. So the relationship with my higher power, God is so much stronger than it was. Um, I don't have that resentment towards God anymore. So that's awesome. Um, but I just get to be of service. Like I get to come to these meetings and I get to talk to people. I get to hug people um, and I get to ask them how they're doing. And I've got some fabulous sponsors and, you know, they definitely keep me sober, um, but they're a joy that I have in my life and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to work with them. And I am so appreciative of you guys sitting there and listening to me, not getting up and walking away. Thank you so very much. Um, and thank you so much for letting me be here.